All right, <laughs> welcome to our very first video podcast of Waffle Yay. Stomped. Yay. Yay. All right, I'm Lee. I'm Adam. And tonight we are talking about what, Adam? We are talking about Harry Potter and the Philosopher's and or Sorcerer's Stone. All right, that's a lot of stones. Ugh. It takes some stones to get through Harry Potter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I guess before we get going on about it, uh, what is your initial uh, interaction with Harry Potter? How I got into it? Yeah. Well, it was a long, long time ago, back in the far-off year 2000. I had started. I had just started middle school, and we, uh, it was like one of those uh, Head Start programs. And uh, we got to go in the library, and the one book that, like, for some reason jumped out at me was Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I tried to start reading it, but I was like, this is bullshit. I'm not going to read this. So then later when school actually got started, and I think it was right after we got back from, believe it or not, our vacation to Florida that year in October... (laughs) I came back in my English class, uh, we were doing like, there were different kids reading like different books. And one of the books was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So I started that proper and I finished that thing within like, I got caught up with all my, with all the other work, but like I, I burned through that book within like a week. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I, my initial thing with, uh, Harry Potter was just, at work um, between like movie releases and book releases. Like I remember the midnight releases, people coming in and going crazy for it. And, you know, at that point in time, I knew nothing at all about it, mm. but I guess what really got me into not even the books, but into the movies was just sitting down to actually just watch it and see what was, what the hype was about. Yeah. So, I mean, I in turn got, my mom and my sister into uh, the franchise as well. Oh, did you? Yeah, and mom actually. Well, she mom was smart. She waited till all the books were released to actually sit down and read them. That is smart. That's <laughs> kind of like what we did with uh, Game of Thrones. We waited for all of it to be out, so then we started watching it. Well, I guess some people have to watch it. <laughs> Someone has to. Even that last season, which I heard was complete and utter garbage. It wasn't terrible. It, it, it had its moments. But we're off topic. Yep. All right. So where do you want to start, Adam? Well, I guess we should, like, I just want to, like, you know, we got little backdrops of Harry Potter merchandise. Yeah. You know, we got, got some wands, some Funkos. I got some art. All this stuff is from... Uh, different uh, artists that I've bought from at conventions. Uh, these three, Bellatrix, Voldemort, and Luna, they are from Scott Straka Art. Yes, I am plugging. And the Hufflepuff and the Ravenclaw signs. Oh, good lord. I wish I could remember right now. I feel so bad. I'll mention it, the, I'll mention it next time, because I'll keep them up for the backdrop. Okay. Yeah, I got mine. I got my first American edition of Sorcerer's Stone. 
Mm. And I actually have Luna up there too because she's my favorite, even though she's not in this storyline. Yeah, but I was just, I was like, if I limited it all my all, like the backdrop to Sorcerer's Stone, I was like, there's going to be nothing. So <laughs> I figured let's just put everything up. I threw up the Hufflepuff and the Ravenclaw signs because that is the houses for me and my sister. So, and they are the most underrepresented houses of the franchise. Yeah, they are. Especially in like normal retail stores. Oh, yeah. You know, when we go to Universal, you, you can find just about anything from any of the houses. Well, I mean, at least the, I mean, I know we'll get to those eventually, but at least the Hufflepuff people have, uh, Newt Scamander from the Fantastic Beast franchise to represent them. All we got's Luna. I mean, I guess you could say that's all we need. Yeah, that's really all you need. But we all, like, just... I didn't do this as part of my notes for the first movie, but we, like, Ravenclaw just got a huge... I noticed, finally, that how Ravenclaw got a huge middle finger from the, uh, from the movie makers because they gave a... Our secondary color in the books is bronze. They gave us silver in the movie. I wonder why red. they I wonder why the change. I have no idea. I would have thought that the bronze would have made the blue pop more. Yeah, I I agree. I don't know. I mean, like the silver and and blue don't look terrible, but I bet no, the bronze would look pretty good. I don't even know if it's silver because silver goes with Slytherin, so it might be just gray. Gray. Yeah. Because their house ghost is the gray lady, so that might be why. Yeah, I actually don't remember which house um, I got in uh, Pottermore. I'm going to have to I redo thought... that. Maybe I'll do that as we're casting. <laughs> uh, I was about to say, I could have swore Carla said that you were a Hufflepuff. Yeah, I don't when, remember. Because when you and uh, your family bought the wands a couple years ago, like Mar- I knew Marley was Ravenclaw uh Carla and Rasta were Slytherin, you were Hufflepuff and uh Rebel was Gryffindor. Yeah, obviously Rebel's Gryffindor. <laughs> yeah. But the only ones that I have up here right now are I've got Draco's up on the Philly Fanatic there. Okay. In front of Luna we have uh Hermione's. And then I've got one that I made out of wood. Oh that's cool. Yeah. Mine, I have a Bellatrix's one because I adore Helen and Bottom Carter. I've got a Voldemort's right behind me. And here, this is my favorite. I got Lucius's uh, wand, walking stick. This was an immediate buy the last time we were at Universal. Okay. Stay. (laughs) So you want to just dive right into the first movie? Yeah, so let's dive right in. So mainly we're going to talk about the movie. I do plan on kind of um, talking about a few things here and there in comparison to the book or something that I wish they would have done differently. But I'm not trying to do... So let me just put this out there for all the listeners. I'm not trying to compare the two medias against each other because I like them both for what they are. I've, I'll go ahead. No, I was just, that, that, that was it. I would just... You know, I like them as individual things, not so much yeah. compare and contrast. Yeah, that's how I am with uh, the Lord of the Rings. It's like, I feel like any adaptation should have to be able to stand on its own as its own separate entity because you honestly, you can't adapt the book. 
because uh, I always say when I first saw uh, Fellowship of the Ring with my dad, at the end of it, he was like, that's it? They didn't even destroy the ring? I was like, well, if they did that, dad, we'd still be sitting here. Your dad sounds nothing like that. Look, I know. I just, look, I really like doing this voice and somebody at my job finds it hilarious. Some Other people might find it annoying. I don't know. We'll find out. I suppose we will. Yeah. I got it. For, it's I got it from Robin Williams because he does a voice similar to that. Oh, okay. So, what would you like to start off with? I got like a laundry list of notes. Well, well, before we get we get started on the movie itself. Okay. Did Did you want to say a few words about some breaking news that we had? Oh yes, I did want to make mention of that because it is she did kind of she did play a witch in another piece of media. I would just like to say that we uh, recently lost the uh, wonderful, great Dame Angela. I think she was a Dame Angela Lansbury. Like, got her started MGM back in the '40s. So, our grandparents grew up with her. She was uh, in. She was the lead in Bedknobs and Broomsticks, so our parents grew up with her and, you know, and it was on TV for Murder, She Wrote, uh, and then she was Mrs. Potts for my generation, but then she also had a very long career on the stage. She was Mame back in the 60s, uh, co-starred with B. Arthur on stage, and uh, she was uh, the original Mrs. Lovett for uh, Sweeney Todd. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, there is a filmed performance, stage performance with her and, uh, oh, I think it's George Hearns for for Sweeney Todd. Just, I'm only mentioning the name in case we get actual, like, Broadway listeners out there. Fair. So, did you ever have, did you have, like, a favorite Angela Lansbury performance, Jessica Fletcher, Mrs. Potts? Honestly, No. Like, she was always just to be on TV when I was watching it. Um, you know, I recognized her face. I know her voice. So, like, if I saw her, I knew who she was, but she didn't really have any kind of impact on me. Not to say that she wasn't great or anything. I'm not, mm-hmm. like, trying to downplay her at all. Yeah, okay. Uh, I will actually say that my favorite role from her, I haven't seen this movie in a while, but her performance stuck with me, was uh, she was the conniving mother in the original Manchurian Candidate with Frank Sinatra. Oh, I like that movie. Yeah, I I need to buy it again because I haven't seen it in probably over a decade. But like she, her performance is really really great. Yeah. So I guess we can say pretty safe. Hang on, I can't reach it. Wands up for Angela Lansbury. I'll just grab this one. Yep. May she continue right. to use magic to kick Nazi ass in the great beyond. Because that, right, so huh? that is also a great moment for in Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Yes, I agree. All right. I will let you kick it off over there with your wand malfunctions. Yeah, clearly. It stayed up there for all this time until just now. Adam, so, I think your wand needs a little bit of uh, the little blue pill. <laughs> little blue pill for the middle-aged wizard. Oh, God. 
talk about Petrificus Totalis, right? Yes. <laughs> so, like, in just no particular order of any... Well, I'm, I mean, I do have an order for these notes, but this first one really isn't, like, could be said at any point. It's just the first I have on my list. I love John Williams as a composer. He yeah, scored, who doesn't love John Williams as a composer? Like... Is my favorite work from him is Star Wars. Uh, I love him for the original Superman, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, Jaws. Good Lord, Schindler's List, I think. E.T. Basically, I, if it's pop culture, John Williams is behind the music of it. More Either than him likely. or Danny Elfman. That is like the two go-to or, guys, I think. Or Jerry Goldsmith. Which one's he? Uh, I he did a lot of music for Star Trek. Uh, he did he did the original. Well, it was for Star Trek the movie, the very first movie, but they adapted it as the theme for the Next Generation. And uh, he also did the first Mummy movie with Brendan Fraser. Uh, good lord, I know he did the movie Supergirl. I think he did the movie Supergirl. I think he did i want to say part of me wants to say he did the goonies i mean i know i got my phone right next to me i can just that's all right it's not that big a deal yeah but so john williams that's the first thing you want to talk about why this is possibly at least in my opinion his worst score i think it is it just sounds very very lazy that like a lot of some of his stuff just literally feels like it's lifted from other films i don't I can't I just watched this movie yesterday but there's a, a piece of music in Superman when uh Kal-El is on his way to Earth and the music cue is and I'm like that's Harry Potter at least to me stole that he reused that for Harry Potter I'm just not a fan of like so, if, if it's from one movie I feel like you shouldn't use it in another movie or something like that so do you think they just threw a ton of money at John Williams and said, here, score this. And he's like, I don't want to. Well, here's a little bit more money. And it's like, okay, I might have something that I threw away. <laughs> might still I don't be in that recycle because... bin chilling out in the corner. I don't know, because he did like a lot of uh, like the early 70s disaster movies like the Poseidon Adventure and the Towering Inferno. So I don't want to say like, you know, this is his, you know. The worst of John Williams is still the best compared to some other people. So I just wanted to like just get that out of the way. I think it's his worst scoring. He does the first three movies, and I think it's his worst work. Okay, that's that's better than anything I could do. But I mean, yeah, I, know, I mean, <laughs> but in comparison I'm not to his other stuff, I get it. I'm not a composer at all, but I mean, just for me as a fan, comparing it to his previous body of work, I feel like it's very inferior. Okay. It's fair enough. So let me ask you this. So we know, you know, we have Harry Potter, the boy who lived. So do you think we would still have a book or a storyline if it was Harry Potter, the boy who would mind his own business? <laughs> I don't know. Cause that's like part of, part of my notes is like, uh, with, concerning harry is uh or at least in terms of i feel like everything just comes back to dumbledore and for some of these 
overviews that we do for the rest for this and the rest of the movies, I'm going to call him Dumbledoofus because some of his thought process for me leaves a lot to be desired. Like I like rewatching this movie and it's like, and even not know, like, like when the first, when the book first came out, take out of the equation, like the knowledge we'll gain later from the rest of the franchise. But I feel like he's an idiot for leaving Harry with, you know, his aunt and uncle because McGonagall tells them they're terrible people. And he says he doesn't want Harry exposed to like the fame or whatever that, you know, will come with him being the person who stopped Voldemort. What I would feel that you would want him to. So that way everything's not going to come as a shock to him later. He's going to be armed with the knowledge that he has magical powers and that, you know, he is the call. He's the cause of the downfall for, for a Voldemort and that he could possibly return at any given moment. So I, I honestly feel like if Harry was raised in the magical world, because he had to have had a mat, like since his dad's side was the magical side, did his, was his dad an only child Were his grandparents dead? So, I mean, in I mean, you, you just, read the book, so. I was going to say, in just context of, you know, the first movie, not thinking about what we learn later on, yeah. there's no way to tell, yeah. you know, what Dumbledore was thinking. Like, obviously, you know, J.K. Rowling, Rowling, however it's actually pronounced, I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, tied that all up later on in, in the series. So, I mean, you know, it's a fair point. Why couldn't they have gone or why couldn't they have sent him to somebody else? Yeah. And I, you, I don't know if that really answered your question or not. To be, Now that I think about it. No, but, you know, if so, like, Harry Potter, obviously, like, as you watch the movies or what, you know, read the books he's getting himself into trouble when he doesn't need to. It's like, so something got taken out of Gringotts. Why do you have to bother yourself with it? You're an 11 yeah. year old boy. Why yeah, like is it that big of a deal that you need to go on this adventure? Well, yeah, even to, like, I know we weren't going to try our best not to jump around to like the future books or whatever, future movies. But in the third book, Ron's dad says, cause they make mention of getting a reward for serious blacks capture. And Ron's like, Oh, we're gonna we can capture him and Ron's dad like you're thir you're a pair of thirteen year old wizards. What are you gonna do? Yeah. He he calls it out and he's like, What are you talking about? Why? You know? Yeah. So I, I do I feel like, yeah, if Harry Well, then again, if Harry didn't do anything, because it really feels like the adults in this universe are really stupid. Yeah. Yeah, they, because, they, they definitely downplay the intelligence of the adults. Like in in Dumbledore's Dumbledoofus's vast amount of wisdom, and this is again skip like skipping in my notes a little bit, but you would think with the uh, with uh, Fluffy and all the you know stuff you have to get through to get to the Sorcerer's Stone, you know, because you got you know each of those different traps are set up by a different teacher. Don't you think that the teachers? who had a hand in setting up these defenses should only know how to get through each thing. Yes, I, I think so. And 
the fact that like the 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 whole ending where with the mirror of error said he could have just like kept it secret the entire time and you know whether harry made it through or not it's not like dude would have gotten his hands on it anyway yeah since you know he literally rigged it so that way somebody who wanted to find it but not use it could get it out of the mirror yeah so harry being there literally endangered the entire protection plan yeah And I always just really have to laugh when Hagrid, when he first gets Harry, and he's like, oh, there's Gringotts, tis no safer place in the wizarding world except Hogwarts, and I'm just like, no, there's not. There's no safe place at all, because, I mean, obviously any guards can be penetrated. Yeah, and again, Dumbledoofus in all his wisdom could not figure out that one of his teachers had Voldemort as a growth on the back of his head. I feel like he knew. But then why keep him? To see what Harry does? Yes, let's well, rely the, the on... whole Well, the whole idea is to see what Harry Potter is capable of doing. You can't just tell him, go do this, because then he's not going to learn anything. You know, yeah, it's know, helping but... him grow throughout the entire thing, and meanwhile, still having his back throughout the entire series. I mean, I know we're supposed to experience his growth with it, but I feel like the intelligence of the adults in these movies is kind of sacrificed in a way because an eleven-year-old should not be relied upon to protect this stone that can grant immortality from. Again, the worst wizard that their universe has ever seen. Like, if Dumbledore is so powerful, why is he relying on Harry? I mean, I know, again, we find out later what everything's been leading up to, but just in keeping with the knowledge of that, we just have the knowledge of Sorcerer's Stone, the adults should not be as dumb as what they are. Yeah. I think. I think so, too. So in the uh, movies, okay. it seemed like, you know, after rewatching it, like, yeah, the CGI kind of sucked when Neville got taken away on the broomstick and the CGI oh sucked God. with the ogre. But and the CGI yeah. wasn't terrible with the chess set. It's like they blew their no, CGI budget on the chess set. Yeah, and because I made note of that, too, uh, throughout, like, the CGI just being terrible. But because Harry Potter, Philosopher's Stone, and I'll bounce back and forth between calling it whatever. The budget for Harry Potter 1 was $125 million. The budget for The Fellowship of the Ring, I know they shot all those movies at the same time, but the budget for the, the first one specifically was $93 million. And all the CG for Lord of the Rings looks way better than Harry Potter. There's some wonky moments, yeah, I'll give you, but it still looks better. Fellowship's CGI has aged better in my opinion. Yeah, I'll have to go back and rewatch that because it's been forever since I've seen it. And just because you mentioned uh, the broom, the Neville broom scene, that teacher is a fucking bitch. Do your fucking job. Fly up there and save the boy. Don't say, Mr. Longbottom, you get down here. He doesn't know what he's doing. That's true. He was <laughs> the one that just kind of goofed his way up into the sky. Yeah. 
Yeah. Could have swore I had something else about. Well, the CGI Matt for Humphrey. CGI for uh, Fluffy isn't that bad. No, it's not terrible. But it might be because it's, it's like Fluffy though. Well, it, it's awesome. in the dark as well for the most part. Yeah. And what were you saying about Madame Pomfrey? Isn't Madame Pomfrey? She's the. Uh... Oh wait, no. Sorry, she's the nurse. Yeah, I'm Madame trying to remember Who... the name of the uh, the Quidditch. Quidditch coach lady. Yeah, Madame Hooch. Hooch. Yeah, Madame Hooch, Hooch. is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's only in this movie. They only signed the actor for this one film, and then just forgot about her for the rest of the franchise. I wonder why. I don't know. I've, to I be tried to... with, I didn't even. I don't think I even realized that she was gone in the other movies. Well, even then, it's like you could have recast the part. I mean, or I mean, te- really, her part is superfluous. Like um, Professor Bins, the history of magic teacher, he's superfluous. And just to bring on to my next point, because I know this was, I guess people were upset about it. I'm glad Peeves the Poltergeist was not in this franchise. Yeah. I, just I, I know a lot of people feel like he should have been in there, but I don't know. He wasn't very, he wasn't a big part of the storyline. No, it's like a part that's easily cut. I feel bad for the actor that shot the role. Because apparently they didn't tell him that his part was cut till the premiere. Well, he still got paid for it, so that's all that matters. I know, but could you imagine, like, bringing your family, telling your family, I'm in the first Harry Potter movie, you get to the movie, and it's like, no, you're not there. Yeah, that would that would suck a lot. Well, it's just like, just to extend off of Peeves, the go- like the Hogwarts ghosts, I feel like it was a real waste of money to get John Cleese to be nearly headless Nick for two movies. Why? I don't know. It just feels like a waste of money because they never use him again after Chamber and, of Which is a shame because there's a really big uh, scene with uh, nearly headless Nick in the book. Not, not, not in the first one. I think it was the second one. That, you know, they really could have done a whole lot more with. Well, no, he's in the second movie. I just, like... It just feels like a waste, like, to include the ghosts, and they, like, go out of their way to show the other Hogwarts house ghosts, like the Bloody Bear and the Fat Friar and the Grey Lady, and they just don't do anything with them. Well, I mean, it's so good to know that they're there. uh, But then we never see, like, we never really see the ghosts again until, you know, just to jump ahead with that Deathly Hallows when Harry needs diadem. I think that's the only other appearance of the ghosts. I don't remember yeah. them being in the other films. No, they, they weren't really a big part in the films, but they're a bigger part in the books. The books. Yeah, which, you know, there's a lot of things that if I was the one making the movies, I would have added to it. But, I mean, the way the, the movies played out was just fine. It was perfect. Well, there is, there is one thing that I... I don't know why it took me all these years to ever notice it, but in when Hagrid brings baby Harry to Dumbledore and McGonagall, he doesn't make mention of who he got the bike off of. In the book, he does. Right. And I feel like it would have been... And the and Prisoner of Azkaban had already been published when they shot the first movie, so I feel name-dropping Sirius Black for it, like they did in the book would have been 
important to set up his return in the third. Yeah. In the third film. Yeah. Because I, mean, that, I didn't know that it happened like that, like in the sense of the time frame of movie versus when the other books were coming out. I did. Well, I didn't know either. I had to look that one up because I would have thought that would have been an important, like, you know, even just to set him up by name alone, by just mentioning the name. Yeah. Because when, uh, when Harry first gets, when he gets his first letter to Hogwarts and he gives the mail to his uncle, he mentions his sister, Marge. Mm-hmm. Who also shows up in the third film. Yeah. And so, she, she was ill from eating a bad whelk. So, I mean, I feel like it's funny that, you know, a tertiary character who does show up in the third book, but she's gotten rid of very quickly. You like, they felt the need to still say her name, but not mention Harry's godfather. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have at least did the name drop anyway. Yeah. And the, like the weird thing is too, now that you like talk about Hagrid, I think in the book, I can't remember if he mentioned it in the movie when he made it to the cottage on the island to mm-hmm. get Harry Potter. Yeah. He mentions that he flew there, but they had to take a boat to leave. So, hmm. how did Hagrid fly there? Was this in the movie where he says he flies? I don't remember. See, because I, I I just watched it, but I don't. I wasn't really paying attention to that. But I was also listening to the book um, earlier, mm-hmm. and it had mentioned that. So I, I didn't know if it transposed over to the movie or not. But well, I yeah, I remember him. I remember. It. Sorry, I don't mean to talk over you. I remember them making mention in the book that. Yeah, he's he gets there by boat. I don't remember anything about him saying anything about getting off Why? of there in the movie. Yeah, I, don't know, I was just curious. He might I have do gotten, wish though. No, go ahead. He might have gotten special permission to apparate. Good point. He probably did. And I, I do will wish. Also, no, go ahead. Go. Keep just go. My my thing's not important. I'll get I'll get back to it. I was just gonna say that I. Excuse me. That I wish that they would have done more with how horrible it was at the aunt and uncle's house. Yeah. They only like kind of touched on it. Like if you actually listen to it, like how bad it actually was, and how much of a dick their, his cousin was to him. Mm. No, I, I remember those passages. My my memory is better for. The first four books, not so much the le- the last three. Yeah, but I, I think well, it would have painted a better picture about what Harry had to go through before he made it to Hogwarts. Well, I say you know they have to get the plot on a roll, but the first two movies are so ungodly long because it feels like uh, director Chris Columbus wanted to adapt the book, like he literally just wanted to adapt the book with very little changes. Because on it, like honestly, Philosopher's Stone and Chamber of Secrets are my two least favorite of the films. Because yeah, of, yeah, because just because of how ungodly long they are, it just feels like there's some unnecessary things in there that could have been cut, in my opinion. So oh, yeah, ahead. they could have cut a few things and added others. Like I, they should have done more with Neville. Yeah, that is actually one of my other notes. Yeah, hold on, let me find it. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh yeah. As I said, 
removing Neville from so much of the plot kind of ruins his arc that is present in the book where he stands up to his friends because earlier Ron and Harry, I think Harry's involved with it, I but I'm just remembering Ron, tell him he needs to stand yeah. up for himself. He needs to stand up to Malfoy. So, and then he like gets into a fight with him at a Quidditch match and, uh, and then it just sets up better him eventually standing up to the three as they're trying to leave the Gryffindor common room. Yeah, it, it definitely gives him a better arc in the book. Plus, you know, it builds him up for further on in the series oh, yeah. where, you know, things happen. I mean, Which it makes we'll talk him, about this later on, but... Yeah, it just makes it feel like his arbitrary ten points at the end of the book, you know, the end of the story is worth it or something. Yeah. But about Hagrid with getting him off the boat... And it kind of also correlates with what I said earlier about Dumbledore. I feel like Hagrid should have also told him what to expect by bringing him into their world because he takes him into the Leaky Cauldron and he's just like, oh, I'm here with young Harry Potter to get his school stuff. And, you know, it's like, well, thanks for blurting out who he is. Now all these randos are going to come up to him and say, oh, thank you, Mr. Potter. Thank you. I'm so and so. So it's like I feel like he should have been prepped what to expect. Yeah, maybe have it a little bit. Hey, just so you know. <laughs> and I don't know if you caught caught this in the movie, and I don't know if it's mentioned in the book. When Harry first meets Professor Quirrell, he offers him he offers his hand to shake, but Quirrell kind of recoils back, which kind of hints, you know, uh, later on with the whole touching thing when he when he gets turned into ash but at the end of the film Voldemort tells him to kill him and he goes to touch him now I I feel like it shouldn't matter what end of this spectrum is on it's on but Quirrell goes to choke Harry nothing's happening Harry touches Quirrell is when he starts turning to dust and I'm kind of thinking to myself it shouldn't matter like Quirrell's touching Harry, Harry's touching Quirrell. He's still touching him. He's still being... They're still making skin-skin contact. So I... And with the way he recoiled at the beginning, I feel like Voldemort or... Who, you know, Voldemort or maybe even Quirrell himself knew. It's like, oh, I shouldn't touch him. Or something yeah, like that. I don't, I don't know why. Because it's not like there's... This is what's going to happen if he does this kind of information. It's just... Yeah, I don't know why he didn't want to shake his hand to begin with. Because he didn't yeah. know what was going to happen if he shook his hand. Otherwise, he wouldn't have tried to, you know, choke him with his bare hands in the chamber. Yeah. And then it also, like, you have magic. Kill the boy with the magic. <laughs> don't kill him with your hands. Kill him with magic. Yeah. Why, why go to muggle forms of violence? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, a lot, a lot of my notes just feel like they're nitpicks, but I pick, like, yeah. And I don't know if you know, I'm, I just, I just have, I, sometimes I notice, like, weird random things when I'm rewatching movies, mm -hmm. especially ones I haven't watched in a while. But, uh, at, in the great hall, in the feast at the beginning with the sorting hat, when Harry first sees Snape and Quirrell has his back to him, so you're just seeing the back of Quirrell's head talking yeah. to Snape. If you look really, really hard under his turban, you will see a hairline. 
right under the turban, and Quirrell's supposed to be bald. Maybe there was a day that Voldemort didn't shave. <laughs> well, it made me think, it was like, if this was like a stunt, like a double for that scene, they didn't have the actor, so they just used a double. That could have been it. Or it was just um, missing the continuity. Yeah. And catch on. Which happens. Yeah. Oh, fun fact. Yeah. So since we're still in October, we're still in Halloween season. Mm-hmm. The night that the troll comes into the dungeon is when during their Halloween feast. Yeah. Uh, that terrible, terrible CGI troll. Yeah. A big old nasty fella. Sorry, well, I just you're... opened a soda. No, you're good. So like with, you know, as I said earlier about like Harry, well, Dumbledore either keeping him in the keeping him in the wizarding world or you know Hagrid should having to have prepped Harry for what to expect when people encounter him how would anybody have really known that Harry survived Voldemort's attack because it's implied that Hagrid was sent there immediately to get the baby so you know i was thinking about that too to be honest just earlier today, actually. And, like, I'm thinking what may have happened was Voldemort did his thing and, you know, Plowy and Dumbledore showed up because it was in the same neighborhood, technically, that Dumbledore lived in for a long time and got his hollow. So I'm wondering if he found out about it, apparated there, and he had Harry... And gave him to. Well, Hagrid. I mean, we know again. Just, just to jump ahead to the last one, like well, we no, that would have made sense either. I don't know. Yeah, sorry. Well, I mean, I know we know Snape went to the house and he saw Lily. I mean, I don't remember the book, but I know from the movie we see in the flashback Snape goes to the Potter house and he like cradles Lily's dead body. So I know that way Dumbledore would have known, but just the public at large, you know. Like the Wizarding World at large, how would they have known that a baby survived when only Snape and maybe later Dumbledore and Hagrid, you know, to get the baby or whatever, would have known? Because it's not like, you know, the new the Wizard news media was out there covering the event. I don't know. How would, how would they have known about the lightning bolt? Because again, there's no pictures of this boy. Yeah. So, really, the only person that would have known about the lightning bolt would have been Dumbledore, which means Dumbledore just ran his big mouth and and told everybody. You know, I would believe that Dumbledore seems like a gossip. (laughs) This is really a nitpick, but Harry gets his ticket for platform nine and three quarters because Hagrid says you need a ticket. Is that ticket good for all seven years, or do they constantly need a new ticket? I don't know. Probably, I, I, probably constantly need a new ticket. Because, I mean, they're a bunch of 11-year-olds. They're going <laughs> to lose that ticket. Like I said, I, o- I only ever really thought about it yesterday when I was watching. And then, also, also, good job, Hagrid, for just leaving Harry in the middle of a train station when he has no idea what the hell he is doing. 
Well, I mean, Harry's I not a mythical creature, so he doesn't know how to take care of Harry. He's just a boy. <laughs> now, if it was Fluffy, he'd have been all over it. He'd be like, okay, I'm going to stay with you, Fluffy, until the train calls. And I make sure that you climb aboard. All right. But, like, you know, just tell us, like, okay, Harry, you need just need to go between platforms nine and... T- I don't know why I'm making Hagrid sound like Mr. Krabs. <laughs> but... Just go between go between platforms nine and ten, Harry. Don't it doesn't matter. You'll look like an idiot. I don't know. Yeah, it, and it should also be called platform nine and a half, not nine and three quarters. If it's right but smack dab in the middle. But it's a Wizarding World, so they have to I make, know. make it I a little know. unique. And then I also put I chocolate frogs seem to be a real waste in this universe since they immediately leap out and you don't get a chance to eat it. But I hope they taste better than the ones in real life. Facts. I hope they taste better than the ones in real life, too. <laughs> For those of you that have never had the wonderful opportunity to go to uh, Universal's Wizarding World, you can go... What's the name of the candy store? Honeydukes. Well, I know that's the one in uh, Hogsmeade, but then there's also one in uh, Diagon Alley. But anyway, if, if you buy the chocolate frogs there... I'll be prepared for them to be disgusting. Like I had a first off, it t- it w- it felt like eating a rock. The, it was like rock solid chocolate, and then from the small piece I was able to chew and swallow, it tasted rancid. It was like rancid chocolate going down my throat. Yeah, it it was not a good chocolate. Actually, I mean, if we're gonna be honest, a lot of that stuff that we got from Honeydukes or whatever the candy shop was really wasn't that good at all no uh even the, the felix felicis it was just like straight corn syrup the uh the cauldron cake uh the girls so memorably described called it cat food it tasted like cat food yeah <laughs> so and, you know we dropped you know a couple bills in there yeah on that candy it wasn't it was it not wasn't even cheap like I got three box, three regular boxes of the chocolate frogs, and I got the tin because the tin had five of the trading cards. Yeah. So that was at least thirty dollars, thirty forty dollars on those chocolate frogs alone for me. Yeah, and then we also got the birdie box. Well, that those, those are just, that's just a game of Russian roulette as it is. Yes, yes, it is, and it was fun to. I I, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I was able to get the girls on uh, camera to yeah, to, right. to play a game of uh, Russian roulette with the uh, with the beans, and poor Marley got a terrible flavor. Like ev- out of the three rounds we did, she got a terrible one two times. I think she got yeah. like I think she got pepper, and I think she did get vomit. Yeah, I think Marley did get pepper and vomit. Carla got baby wipes. And grass. and grass. Baby wipes is a flavor? Yeah, baby wipes is a flavor. I feel like, uh, you know, just the fact, before we get back to this, just the fact that somebody has to get paid to break down what baby wipes and vomit would taste like in candy form. That is an excellent point. Like, they got to pay me a lot of money to taste test this stuff. You know, if okay, if I gotta tell you this tastes like vomit, I better get a bonus. I got <laughs> Hold like on. a good one. wants to tell you what kind she got. Yeah, I got vomit and pickle. I got pickle one. 
Yeah. Yeah. That sounds gross. I heard Carla oh, say she got, got a, yeah, she got a bogey flavored one. And me. And me. Well, and at you. least the, I would think the bogeys would taste better than the vomit, though. Like I don't know. Ask Rebel. She might know what a booger tastes like. And you never eat your boogers. Good. Very good. Don't don't do that. It's a terrible habit. Yep. So back to this, and again, as I said, nitpicky. If it's against the law for underage wizards to perform magic, why can Hermione perform simple spells? So, I think because I they I think they explained it because. They gave him a pass because they didn't know prior to attending Hogwarts. You know, she didn't grow up in a wizarding family. She was a yeah. Marvel-born. Or mudblood, if you will. No, we don't want and, to say that word. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's not politically correct. You can't well, say mudblood. Well, I also, like, part of me wanted to do the share song Half-Breed, but I also don't believe that that is politically correct anymore. Yeah. So I, I think until your first year is complete, there was like a pass. Okay. And unfortunately, if you grew up in a magical family, you know, it was already said at a very young age, you're not allowed to do magic. Yeah. And they're allowed to do magic on the train. I would feel that wouldn't be allowed because God forbid like a fight breaks out between two students. <laughs> they blow out a sidecar and everybody gets sucked out like it was on an airplane or something. Well, yeah, because uh, freaking Seamus always likes blowing things up. So God forbid he gets into a fight with, you know, Malfoy and he decides to blow up half the train and his eyebrow. Yeah. Oh, I meant to I meant to mention this earlier. Now I got to find it again. Mm hmm. So, again, one is, one is an, I feel like, an actual continuity error between the movies. Harry and the snake, when he's at the zoo, talk the king's English, while in the rest of the franchise, it's the parcel tongue. So, you know, I was thinking about that, too, when I was re-watching the other day. I'm wondering, though... <sighs> Harry doesn't know that he was speaking parcel tongue the first time through, or yeah. not the first time through, but in, you know, in that uh, particular fight scene between him and Draco. Well, no, that was well, yeah, that one. I, but yeah, in the zoo. Sorry. Well, no, no, I, I know that, but I'm saying like when he spoke parcel tongue to stop the snake from attacking, he yeah. didn't know that he was speaking parcel tongue. So in his brain, it was translated into English. So I'm thinking that might be why at the zoo he was just talking at least that's how that's, that's how i want to imagine it happening so yeah i mean that i mean that sounds like a good explanation for me and then yeah. uh and this has always bothered me with the first movie despite being the title character harry performs only two feats of magic in the whole thing the making the the glass disappear and uh, burning Quirrell to death. He, he doesn't do anything else. I don't count the flying because I feel like the broom itself is the enchanted uh, object that enables them. Which to it is. So I really so. So Harry doesn't do any magic besides getting rid of the glass and uh, burning Quirrell. 
Yeah, but how is that his? That's not really his magic. That's just because they touched, right? Well, but it's you know the the protection he, of his mother's love. That's the magic. Yeah, but he didn't cast a spell or anything. No, like, but even it's, unintentionally. But it's still a form of magic because, as uh, one of my as my favorite show always liked to say, love is the most powerful magic of all. Okay, so we'll go ahead and give him that bit of magic. Look, he only gets two. If we don't, if we don't let him, you know, if we don't count him stopping Quirrell, then it's just he he does one thing, and it's just to make a pane of glass disappear. Did he make a? He didn't even make the feather float, did he? No. Cause yeah, he does. Cause Hermione does that. Hermione repairs his glasses. Ron defeats the troll. Hermione stops the vines. Yeah, that's all stuff that I never actually noticed before. And then the actor who plays uh, Ollivander, John Hurt, he is the only actor in this franchise to also be associated with uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he was the Hobbit that had the ring initially, correct? No, uh, that is uh, Ian Holm. He, John Hurt was the voice of Aragorn in the uh, 1978 animated Lord of the Rings movie. Oh, okay. So yeah, not not the Peter Jackson franchise, but uh, the uh, cartoon movie, the animated movie. Gotcha. And uh, uh, just before we move ahead again, thank goodness the wands get redesigned for later movies because the ones here suck. Yeah, they were just basic. I don't know what they were thinking outside of, well, we need this stick. Is what a wand might look like. <laughs> yeah. And do you think there are changing rooms on the Hogwarts Expe- Express, or do they just change in front of the people they're in cabins with? They just change in front of the people that they're in the cabins with. I hope they feel very comfortable for the first... I hope the first years are very comfortable with... I mean, it's just, it's just a robe. I mean, they well, still got be- t-shirts and <laughs> pants and stuff. Well, yeah, but Harry and Ron are in, like, street clothes when they're on the train. Oh, I guess so. Yeah, they're in their... They're in their civvies. They're civvies. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I don't think I would have had a problem with it. <laughs> and... Just again to shit on the adults in this universe, I think it's really bad that when McGonagall's like mentioning the names of the houses, she says Slytherin with such disdain. Not everyone who got sorted into that house ended up evil, and my example with that is Sirius Black ended up in Gryffindor, and everyone for years thought he was evil for selling out the Potters, so maybe they should lighten up on the people who get sorted into the Snake House. Yeah. And, you know, not everybody was bad. I mean, later on in the franchise, you know, Slughorn, he used to be the headmaster or whatever over, what do they call them? They were just the the heads of the house. What do they do, do, really? Like, I'm just now thinking of this. What do the heads of the houses actually do? They make sure that they're in bed on time, I guess. But then what's the point of Mr. Filch? Because he patrols the hallways. He's he's the janitor. <laughs> that they never let you. I mean, I know he's a. I know he can't use magic, but yeah, he's a squid, and we find that out later on too. Hogwarts. I'm. I'm just 
Hogwarts is a terrible school because, well, you you literally open up your speech with "Don't go on the third floor, or you could die." I would feel like, as a parent, that's a red flag. I bet other magical schools in the European area don't have these kinds of perils that threaten their students every year. Sorry, Sirius Black is, you know, wanting to talk, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, Adam. I missed that last part of what you said. Oh, no, you are talking about the third floor corridor being... Yeah, you, know, it's you like, might die if you go up there. And as a yeah, well, parent... I, yeah, I feel like parents should be made aware of this before their kids get to the school. Well, they probably know, you know that kind of shenanigans happen because most of them did attend Hogwarts. Yeah, but they probably didn't go when giant three-headed dogs were guarding something. <laughs> True. Unless they went when uh, uh, Moaning Myrtle died in uh, Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. You... I mean, I just got notes. I mean, do you want to? I know no, you got talk it. about your notes because you're you're driving this conversation. I'm just putting in my two cents. I feel like I'm just complaining, <laughs> but I mean, I feel like, like I said, nitpicks. Yeah, which is fine because you know most people on podcasts when they talk about Harry Potter, they either talk about how much they love it or they talk about how much we they hate it, and we're talking about how much we love it. And you know what? Here are some things that. Maybe kind of irritate us just a hair. Yeah. Thank goodness they dropped the stupid pointy hats for the kids after the first two movies. Yeah, that was kind of weird. I, I don't understand. Like, I mean, I've never been to like a private school or whatever, so I don't know what yeah. their robes and stuff look like. Well, even like with so the, in the third movie, when uh, they get a th- when they get a different director, like they keep the robes, but they're a lot more informal because i mean again we're jumping ahead but like how uh when they first go to hagrid's class like in the movie anyway like ron's got his robes off his like dress shirts untucked and stuff like that and they never bring just looks like a whole hot mess yeah and uh like they just never bring those hats back even though it's like according to your school supplies list it's like you have to have this yeah maybe that was just for first year students so Uh, it was like a a scarlet letter almost, you know, here's the young, Uh, youngest. So it's, it's their first day of school. And I, and I put screw you McGonagall. It's their first fucking day. They go to a school, they go to school in a building where the staircase is switched by themselves. Of course, they're going to be fucking late. You just got to get used to it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe don't have stairs. Don't have stairs that change. Yeah, you don't have. Yeah, Harry breaks the rules and automatically gets rewarded for it. If that were any other student, they would have been expelled immediately. When he, uh, when Madame Hooch tells him not to fly, and he gets Neville's Remembrall, and McGonagall's like, "But he's you're going, you're going to be on the Quidditch team." But he's Harry Potter. I mean, obviously, he's the most famous boy in the Wizarding world. They're not going to just kick him out for flying on a broom. Especially I if know, they're going to win the Quidditch Cup. Uh, it just bugs me that, you know, so much is let slide because his name's in the title of the, of the franchise. Yeah. Well, then, I mean, uh, as we learned later on in the franchise, it could have been Neville Longbottom and the Sorcerer's Stone. Well, as they 
they do say that uh, the the prophecy in Order of the Phoenix was talking about either Harry or Neville. Apparently, mm-hmm. I never heard I never heard that theory, or I just don't like I said I don't remember the book very well. Yeah, it's it's a big point in the book. When her when uh, Harry is talking to Ron about the Quidditch stuff. And he's like, I'll make a fool of myself. And Hermione's like, you won't make a fool of yourself. It's in your blood. Being good at sports isn't an inherited trait, Hermione. Um, so. I'm not into sports, so. I don't know about an inherited, more like, and like, obviously this counts Harry out, but usually... If a parent is good at a sport, the kid usually practices and plays and everything else in that sport with the parent. But again, not in Harry's case because, you know, his dad's dead. (laughs) Yeah, his parents went the way of the Waynes. (laughs) Yes, yes. Can't have a hero without dead parents. Well, depending on what you're reading, Superman's uh, Earth parents are either dead or alive, so... Fluffy is a weak-ass three-headed dog if it can't bust through that little locked door. It's magical. (laughs) You can't say it's magical. It's magical. Uh, let's see. It's got the magic in it. No (laughs) one can go through the door except for Hermione. (laughs) Because she's the only one who read the damn book. <laughs> when she says uh, that she no- when she noticed, because when they encounter Fluffy, they run away. Didn't you two realize that the dog was standing on a trap door? I watched that scene like two or three times. Her head moves up at the same time as Ron and Harry's. That dog doesn't show a trap door unless until it's like, you know, standing on all of its haunches. She is not looking at the floor. You don't know that. Maybe she's got one of those crazy eyes when that like goes down a little bit. Yeah, I've had experience with that. Do you think that the kids should have like if I know Harry's like the youngest seeker in a century, his family's a piece of shit, like, you know, what's left of it. But do you feel like if you're that young to be playing on Quidditch, you need a permission slip? If you need a permission slip to go to Hogsmeade, I think you would need a permission slip to play Quidditch. Because, I mean, right now, we have to sign permission slips for cheer. We have to sign it for any sport that the kids play. They have to have our permission. They have to have our insurance. I mean, obviously, they got a a doctor on site. But, yeah, I don't think he should have been able to play Quidditch without someone saying... Here's my permission to, to let him get bludgered to death. Yeah, that's because, you know, since you brought up Pogs me, because that's literally my note. Harry can't go to the local village because he doesn't have a permission slip sign, but he doesn't need anything to play a sport where he could get hit by a ball that randomly knocks players out of the air and possibly get killed. And we mentioned yes. the CGI budget. <laughs> Harry and Ron should have gotten more than 10 points. For surviving a troll. So the point system is very weird to me. Because like in the the first movie, it was like a couple of points here and there. And then it's like 
50 points for this. And it's like, wait a minute. Why, why is that different? Why is it so different? Mm. Like they only got one point for, you know, giving a correct answer. And here Hermione gives like 20 points for giving a correct answer. Well, you know, cause as she says, not many first years would live in, you know, a full grown cave troll, but it's like, well, if that's the case, then give them more than five points each. Yeah. Give them 10 points each at least. Yep. If you're going to be that picky. But it was Let's, only for the sheer dumb luck. It wasn't even about the skill or anything. I, I just, just, you know, because I, I love the way Maggie Smith delivers that line. For sheer dumb luck. Supporting cast in this in this franchise is fucking fantastic. Yeah. We could have had Robin Williams in it, but he wasn't English. I, I was just about to bring that up. Robin Williams and Robin Williams wanted to be haggard. I mean... He got the hair covered, so I think he would have been good. You mean he's covered in hair? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know who else wanted to be in this franchise? No. Just to give you a hint, think 90s talk show host. A, a female 90s talk show host. Ricky Lake? Nope, but you're close. Kind of, sort of. Oprah? No. Nope. Sally Jesse that- Raphael? <laughs> <laughs> Go back to thinking of the mindset of Ricky Lake. I'm out of female talk show hosts. Rosie O'Donnell. Oh. Oh, God. I'm glad that didn't happen. The only thing I liked Rosie O'Donnell in was A League of Their Own. I was going to say I liked her in The Flintstones. Okay, yeah. I forgot she was in The Flintstones. Though she she was only apparently cast because she could do Betty's laugh from the cartoon. Sounds like a good enough reason to cast somebody. Well, she... I also don't know if you know this, just to make reference to our previous Hocus Pocus episodes. Uh, she was offered the part of Mary. And she turned it down? Yeah, she. from what I understand, she didn't want to play a scary witch that ate children. But they didn't really eat anybody. Yeah, I, I know. It's like, you know, quote unquote, eat children. But she wanted to work with Bette Midler, but she didn't want to, like, I guess, ruin her image by playing a child-hungry witch. Okay. Anyway, for those of you that did not know some of these minute pieces of trivia, uh, again, let's show more favoritism to the richest kid in the school for any as he gets the best broom on the market from the teachers. McGonagall yeah. could have. At, That's what happens when you're rich. You get free swag. McGonagall could have at least given him the broom in private. Let's just flaunt it. I know. It's it's like, yeah, drop it off during breakfast, guys. Yeah, it's the best time for it, honestly. <laughs> That's when everybody's going to be there. I know. In a world of evil wizards, I think brooms should be curse-proof by the manufacturers. I agree. I don't... I mean, if they can enchant it to fly around and do things, then they should be able to enchant it from being cursed. Exactly, especially like in a sports type setting. Yeah, because cheating. I mean, if there's sports, there's going to be cheating because there's going yeah. to be betting. And even then, like you know, when, again, for the for the future, the Death Eaters come back. What if they before they decided to torch the campsite at the World Cup? What if they attacked during the World Cup and cursed the brooms? Yeah, that's true too. Let's see. I is this the only in the book? Is this was this the only appearance of Ron's brother Charlie? 
so Charlie had a, not a whole lot in the books. I mean, there was like towards what, like six, I think. Which one's I Goblin? Know- Is that five? No, that's four. Because I know in the book he shows up with the dragons. Yeah, and then I think like at on I think they may have make mention of him in the other ones, but then I think he comes back for seven for yeah. the Battle of Hogwarts. Because that was one thing I kind of one of the changes I kind of didn't like from from the book where. Uh, the whole them getting caught by Malfoy is a completely separate time from when Hagrid first gets fluffy. I know, like I said, you can't adapt the whole book, but I kind of like the fact that Hermione and Harry were the ones doing that, not Ron. And then they stumble across Neville and then Malfoy catches them and they, and those four get in trouble. Not Harry, Ron and her, not Harry, Ron and Hermione. Yeah. Just because, you know, it goes back to, like, Malfoy always picking on Neville, and that's the reason why Harry is paired with Malfoy when they go in the Forbidden Forest. Okay. And speaking of the forest, yeah, let's send the kids in the Forbidden Forest as punishment where there are giant spiders, centaurs that hate people, and Lord knows what else. Though I don't think anybody knew about the spiders other than Hagrid. Yeah, I don't think so either. But, I mean, if it was a forbidden place for students to go, then why send them, right? Yeah. Where is it? Oh, yeah. Here we are. Why would Voldemort even try to kill Harry in the forest? He doesn't touch Harry in the pub, making it seem like he knows he can't touch him. Yet he goes to full... Oh, I guess I should have mentioned that in the beginning when we were talking about that nonsense. Scratch that one. No, I mean, it's a good addition. But yeah, like... he Yeah, he goes to try and, like, kill him in the forest, and it's like, well, you can't touch him. And and we don't know it's Quirrell yet, so for all we know, it is Voldemort. Yeah. Just to go with uh, the centaurs. Since this is, like... One of two appearances of the centaurs in the film franchise, they, from what I remember, they have a much bigger presence in the books. They do. For one, the CGI in the centaur is terrible. Absolutely terrible. But you can't really tell that much because it's in the dark. Yeah. But it's a shame because, who is that, Ferenz? Ferenzi? Yeah. Uh, It's a shame that they just never really bring him back because he's a minor important character in the future of the books, because uh, doesn't he take over divination or care of magical creatures later? Divination, yeah. He yeah. takes over after uh, What's-Her-Face gets booted by um, Umbridge. Yeah, and then his like his entire race like disowns him because he's working for people. Yeah. So, again, you know, you go through... Cause just to talk a little bit about the deleted scenes, I don't know if you've ever seen the extended versions of uh, the first two movies. No, I never have. Well, they're on they're on the Blu-ray. Uh, they're on the special edition Blu-rays, and they're like they're it, it's not like Lord of the Rings the extended editions where like you for well for one for a home video market back when they did that back when they did these. 
where they could just add more and like you get to experience more of uh, Middle Earth and you get mm-hmm. more plot points. For Harry Potter, it really didn't add that much. Like one of the deleted scenes that they inserted back into the movie for Philosopher's Stone was uh, Dudley trying on his uniform. And I'm like, yeah, because that was really important. So, yes and no. Like, in the film, yeah, not important. It's not really necessary. That's why I'm I'm glad they cut it out. But, I mean, in the the greater story of Harry Potter and the Dursleys, it's important to show, you know, how he got all these fancy, like, private school clothes. Mm. But Harry... He only got the hand-me-downs that were way yeah. too big that they were dying gray in a pot of boiling water. Yeah, so, I rem- yeah, I remember that, but it's, it's like, to me, even for an extended version or an extended television version, it just doesn't seem like it's still really all that necessary since we don't go into, you know, Dudley yeah. having to go to a private school and Harry going to a boarding score, whatever it was. Yeah. So, I mean, like in the grand scheme of things, it should have stayed a deleted scene. It's not uh, really that big I of a addition. I won't talk about future movies with deleted scenes, but just keep it in mind, you know, because there's a, there's a big one that bugs me in uh, order of the Phoenix. All right. Well, when we get to that one, then we'll talk about that one. <laughs> Here's a little detail from the movies that I, that I don't, really think carried over from the books the citizens of the wizarding world don't really recoil at the mere mention of voldemort's name like they do in the books like i remember in the book like ron's always like don't say his name don't say his name and other you know wizard characters are like don't say the name but like in the book in the movies when whenever harry says it it's just like yeah he said it I don't know, I feel like that was like something that they kind of took away from like how it, bad it, Voldemort really was. It it really did. It really downplayed, you know, what the wizarding world felt about the whole saying Voldemort. Yeah. You know, cuz they always just called him by he who must not be named or whatever that phrase is going to be for that particular person talking about it. Uh-huh. Um but to say Voldemort like would send physical shakes to somebody's body almost yeah like i feel like that was like a missed opportunity before his eventual return to like just see even after like a decade and some change of him being gone the wizarding world still felt the effect and i don't think that really translated to the films yeah and which they really should have translated that into the films um just to kind of add on to the fact that it was such a barrel a terrible time for the community. Yeah. But they also downplayed Harry Potter's fame in the movie also. Yeah. Like, because even in the books, like they talked about, you know, random people come shake his hand and, and greet him. And he has no idea who these people are. Uh, And even Hermione mentioned, Oh, I read about you in this book and this book. Yeah. And they don't mention any of that in the movie. Yeah. Which really downplayed like the fame that he has because now that you mention it i do remember in the like the the second chapter for for the first book where uh, yeah rowling does mention that you know complete randos would like shake his hand or whatever yeah 
So yeah, and I, and I do agree with you, like, before we even saw Dumbledore and McGonagall that we should have seen, like, Vernon's day at work where, like, the wizarding community, I guess it's the day after they discover Voldemort's gone and, like, he's just encountering these weird people, like, doing yeah, whatever. Yeah, people out celebrating and, you know, everything else, and they're, they're, he's just, like, he hears the name Potter, but he's not sure if that's who they're talking about, and... yeah. I think that would have brought a good uh, connection between the muggle world and the wizarding world and how they really try to keep things separated. But in this celebratory fashion, like anything kind of goes. Yeah. Uh, uh, The little cute music Easter egg of Hagrid playing Hedwig's theme on his flute. I feel like it was too early. Like it's literally the first movie. I think that's way too early to start doing cute little Easter eggs like that. Yeah. That would have been better off probably in like one of the darker movies, I think. Yeah. So that would be a nice little, Oh, there it is. Like I just, cause uh, I may mention in my notes that uh, even the James Bond movies waited before they like do it, started doing cute little things like that. When they first chit, when, uh, they did their first movie without Sean Connery when they had George Lazenby. There's a janitor uh, mopping the floor and he whistles uh, the theme from Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. And then in one of the Roger Moore ones, he's uh, he goes to India and there's a snake charmer that as Roger Moore walks closer, he starts playing the James Bond theme and Roger Moore's just like, oh, that's a charming tune. <laughs> so it's like when you wait till like well for Bond at least you know when you wait till like the 6th and 13th movie to like play that kind of to like make those cute little nods that you know since you've been around for a while I just think it's like way too early for like movie 1 to be doing that stuff yeah I agree it, it definitely would have been placed better in a, a movie down the road yeah I mean Again, that's like a nitpick, but whatever. Mm-hmm. I what I consider a huge continuity error, error. Voldemort has a nose when he's on the back of Quirrell's head. I so at that point in time, do we know like from the books that have been released? Did we know already? Well, I what, I know Azkaban was. Were? What did I say? What did I say? Azkaban was published ninety nine. I don't remember. Probably because Goblet of Fire I got for Christmas in two thousand. So anywhere between that time period. So they would have had the description if they started shooting in uh, like early, like mid, early mid two thousand for the first Philosopher's Stone. And if because Row- if Rowling was such a great author. She would have notified the producers or the writers about that little detail because she was able to inform Alan Rickman about Snape, about Snape's development from like books that hadn't been done yet. Yeah. So like Alan Rickman was the only one that knew Snape's future. Yeah. So and she's how his able, story arc was. If she's able to inform, you know, an actor about that, I feel like she would have been able to supply especially since goblet of fire was either published or about to be released that she would have been able to inform production about that little design for so that way when he takes off the turban Voldemort doesn't just look like a regular joe schmo 
Yeah. I mean, they could they could have kept the guy that was doing that part at the time, since uh, Ray Fiennes wasn't cast till much later. But I don't know. I just feel uh, like for- I like Ray Fiennes though. I think he really did a great job with that whole Voldemort role. I feel like that's one thing uh, that the Harry Potter movies could George Lucas. I don't know if you know that ref that terminology. Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> kind of compared the whole. Harry Potter thing to what Star Wars? Well, just the fact that George Lucas, when he did the special editions, he made changes that not everybody was a fan of, like the whole Han shot first kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like that little detail is something that they should George Lucas at some point just to and make it mesh better. It. Yeah, and like, do like, like a I special said, special edition. Yeah, like somewhere like for the fortieth anniversary or something. Oh, good but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like not like make it Ray Fines, like don't make him do it. Like just keep it as it is, just change the face. Yeah. I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't like be opposed to George Lucasing the original Harry Potter and you know, maybe get some decent CGI in there. Yeah, that would be nice, but I mean it's one of Warner Brothers Studios like popular franchises that everybody likes. So I feel like they should be able to throw some money their way to like make the CGI look better. Right. But I mean, but then if they change it, then, you know, it's, it'll take away from that nostalgia of what yeah, the original what, film was. Yeah. Cause that's exactly why people hate that. Well, it's not that. It's not that people hated the changes George Lucas made to Star Wars. It's just that he made the original versions that you saw in theaters unavailable. Oh, okay. So making it, yeah. And I mean, he changed things though. Like not just like updating the animation or anything. He actually changed plots or storylines or something, didn't he? Uh, He, uh, at the end of Return of the Jedi, when Luke sees the different ghosts of Yoda and Obi-Wan, he sees in he does see still see the force ghost of his father, but in the original yeah. cut of of Jedi, it's the actor that's under the Darth Vader suit when he unmasks him on the Death Star. <laughs> but for right before Episode Three came out, they changed it to Hayden Christensen, which a lot of people weren't a fan of. Oh, well, well it's like well, so let me let me preface this by saying I'm not a fan of Star Wars. I know I, know. I said it there, unpopular opinion. Get over yourself. I don't care. There's plenty of people who don't. I know. And, you know, so, like, with those kind of changes, it means nothing to me. But, you know, if I was a fan and, you know, they changed it, then, you know, I probably would have the same problem. It's like, you know, going back and, you know, changing things from, like, Indiana Jones, I'd probably be upset about. Or, yeah, uh, like, Back to the Future. Well, I mean, like, when, if... If you died, I feel like your ghost would be what you looked like when you died, not like what you looked like 30 years ago. That's a good point. Well, I mean, just, you know, I like I said, I know you're not a fan of Star Wars, but it just because George Lucas developed both of those. In the animated Clone Wars series, there's a lot of uh, Indiana Jones references. Like, there's these aliens loading stuff on their ship, and one of their artifacts they're carrying is the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, I I think I saw something like that on TikTok or something like that. And then uh, 
this there's the, another alien that has like this treasure trove of stuff and if you look hard enough you'll see one of the crystal skulls yeah very cool like i said just little t- just little fun pieces of trivia for a non-star wars fan but loves indiana jones yep so uh, one, no go ahead sorry i almost coughed <laughs> you're good we're we're coming up on an hour and a half adam we're at 122 well i'm, I'm almost done my notes anyway we're like at the all end right. of them all right so what do you got uh i do like how one consistent thing involving magic across a lot of fantasy things books movies shows you can't bring you can't use magic to bring back the dead because Voldemort tries to tempt Harry into giving him the stone and saying, you know, we can bring back your parents and stuff. Yeah. So I, I kind of like that consistency that magic apparently has going forward across different stuff. How did Dumbledore even put the stone in the mirror? Magic, Adam. It's a whole movie about magic. And you ask a question like that. Well, you can't just say it's magic. We don't have to explain it. You do have to explain the magic. Like I said with Hocus Pocus, as uh, whether they fudged it or not, once upon a time, loved explaining the magic. So I don't know. I don't know how that would have happened. All points for the House Cup should be final at the end of the year. I don't care what Dumbledore does. It should be final. Instead of adding in those last minute yeah. points... For his house to win. Yeah. Like, don't cheater. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, don't tease the house. Especially since they already decorated. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, it's magic. We can change the decorations. But, you know, the fact that Harry, Ron, and Hermione are... And, well, not Neville. He didn't do anything wrong. But the fact that the three are essentially rewarded... For, for lack of a better term, breaking the rules, yeah, and so and so greatly, it's like, yeah, okay, we don't got to, you know, we Hufflepuffs or we Ravenclaws and Slytherins, you know, we, you know, we do something, we're going to lose a shit ton of points. They do God knows what, and it's like, yeah, here's a broom, here's a free broom for you. Surprise, you won. <laughs> and then the the last thing I have. Wow, that's bad that Dumbledore didn't even leave any pictures of his parents for him to look at as he grew up. Granted, his aunt and uncle probably would have taken them anyway, but... Like, you didn't give him nothing. So, do you think Dumbledore actually had pictures of his parents? Well, I mean, Hagrid clearly had that album, and... I mean, we know Hagrid's not the tidiest of people. But... Okay, so I, I don't know if they said this in the movie because, like I said, I didn't make it all the way through rewatch. Did it did it mention in the movie how Hagrid got that album? No, he, uh, he just says, "Oh, here's something for you, Harry." That's it. All right. So in the in the book, they he specifically mentions, "Oh, I wrote to all your mom and dad's friends and." You know, they sent in all these different pictures and I put this album together for you. Basically, oh, see, now that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So why didn't, should have just let Harry grow up with one of these family friends. Exactly. But, you know, magic, love, you know, all that fun stuff. Yeah. But so overall, that... I the, the first movie, I enjoyed it. 
obviously there's a few things that, you know, there's always going to be questions on how this magic is and why these adults let kids do where they feel like in the, the most dangerous way. And that the, the adults are just sometimes are idiots. Like they expect teenagers to solve their problems. Yeah. My teenager uh, won't even order her own food at a restaurant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he loved you. But, you know, rewatching it again, I was just like, you know what? I, I do understand why I liked this in the first place. And, I'm gl- and you know, I'm glad doing this is going to give me a chance to watch all the other films as well. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun to to relive some of the magic. Like as much as I said that, uh, since the next one's Chamber of Secrets, uh, I while I do say that I stick by saying that it and the and Philosopher's Stone are my least favorite. There, like, it does have one of my favorite things, and I'll talk and I'll discuss it when we get to it. Speaking of which, how are we going to do like this? How are we structuring it? So for the the listeners at home, we'll do a Harry Potter book slash movie, um, probably every other episode, maybe every other second episode or something, every third, whatever that breaks down to, you know, gives you something to look forward to. Like, oh, you know what? Waffle Stomp is getting ready to talk about Harry Potter and, you know, give them something to look forward to. And I would also like to say to our uh, viewers and listeners, since this is our first video. Oh, yeah, this uh, is our first video. I almost forgot I'm over here, like, all chillaxing, like no one can see me. I would like to say that, you know, everything I've brought up, yeah, some of them are, are like, legit complaints. But then for the most part, like I said, like, when it comes to, like, you know, Dumbledoofus and, like, some of the decisions he makes, some of them are legit, like, uh, you know, problems I have in that. But then, like, other stuff. It's just stuff to point out and make fun of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, that's the whole idea behind entertainment and movies. You know, it's entertaining. We can have fun watching it. And then, you know, we can have fun discussions pointing out, you know, all the plot holes or, you know, I don't quite get that kind of situations. I would because I would just like to point out because I would eventually la- like to talk about this. My one of my favorite Batman it's controversial probably to some still, but fortunately it's lessened over the years is Batman 66. And that Batman somehow got seven slices of pie out of three cuts. And if that's not, you know, a piece of magic, I don't know what is. Don't think about it. (laughs) I've slowed that scene down. I've slowed that scene down. Adam West literally counts uh, uh, one of the slices twice. Oh, and he even says he says he even says to Dick, you know, if you'll notice after three cuts, you get a total of seven. He counts it, and then Dick's like, "Wow, you're right." And I'm like, "No, he's not." But that is the charm of that show, and we will talk about that hopefully at some point in the future. At some point in the future, absolutely, we will. But first, All right. we will do, so are, uh, just for the sake of even telling the viewers at home, um, I know we discussed this, but just for the sake of everybody else knowing. Are we are going to do Cursed Child and the Fantastic Beast stuff as well? Yes, we will um, go into all of that. So we'll do the first seven books slash movies. I because I did movies. Movies. one movie. 
Yeah, mainly movies. I don't remember everything about the books, and I don't have the hours <laughs> available to reread or re-listen to any of them. And my memory so, is, as I said before, my memory with the first four is pretty good. The other three were a little shaky, especially Deathly Hallows. Very, very shaky with uh, the book of that. But yeah, we yeah. have. So, I mean, I'm going to reference it just because I have listened to them. But outside of that, we're, it's going to be mainly the movies. And then we'll talk about Cursed Child. That one we will definitely have to read since there is no uh, way to watch it without spending a lot of money to see it on Broadway. Is it still playing? Yeah, it's still on Broadway. It, it. I don't think it was affected by the shutdown. It was one of the few shows that's managed to stay on. All right. Maybe somebody has it on YouTube. Well, I would I would also like at some point for us to go see it. I mean, just for, just for the sake to see how they do the magic on the stage is what I want to see. Yeah, I want to know. Could be fun. I want to see it on the stage. Could be fun. All right. All right. So I guess this is Waffle Stomp signing off. We will stomp you later because I am later. Adam. I'm, I'm Adam. Thanks for hanging out. Subscribe to Apple Podcasts and we're on Spotify. Good call.